Pride, this is the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, the podcast where six random guys from around the British Isles get together to discuss anything and everything Detroit Lions. My name is Anthony Fitzpatrick and I'm joined this evening by Ryan McCluskey and we're joined by the star of the show, Hank, our mascot there. He's come to join us. He has woken up. So with Hank, see, you know what that means? It's Wednesday and of course it is the college football podcast the podcast where we go back to college to expand our knowledge of the land before the nfl ryan how are you this week i'm good yeah like i apologize if i'm watching my sum up my camera it's blurry i'm zoomed in don't know why but no i'm all good it's a part of me can't wait for the draft to be over but part of me can't wait i i, I don't know which side's gonna win we're gonna find out yeah, and, and just just quickly while we're discussing sort of, you know, dodgy images on screens and that, I, I apologise for this, like, face here. This is also pretty horrible to see as well, so you're just going to you're just gonna have to deal with that for the next hour or so. So, yeah, here goes. Anyhow, yeah, thank you for joining us here on the, uh, the College Football Podcast. As Ryan has alluded to there, the draft is near. We are two weeks away. The draft is two weeks tomorrow, and it feels like this process has been going on for quite a while now, doesn't it? I mean, in terms of us... This is this is kind of like the culmination of our first season of this podcast. We've watched the games during the season, and by God, have we watched a lot of games. We've done the analysis of the players. We've gone through the whole postseason, the pro days, the combine. Everything has sort of come to a head. And I think overall, I, I'd just say, since we've started doing this, it's it's been quite a fun year, hasn't it, doing all this all together? Yeah, like you say, we've, we've come nearly 360. Like I say, we've gone through a college season. They're in spring game now. They're having spring balls. They're deciding they're starting quarterback. So we've almost got back to where we started. It's like it's going to be doing it all over again shortly. Exactly. It's like we're going to get to the draft in two weeks and it's going to be like, well, there we go. We're all done now. And it's like, no, <laughs> we're straight on to the next cycle when this is done. You've got to look at the quarterback battles next season. Like you say, there's, there's all sorts going on. JT Daniels went to, um, oh God, where's he just ended up today? I've completely forgotten. He's gone to... West Virginia West Mountaineers. Virginia. He's gone to West Virginia. That's that's going to be an intriguing one. That's going to make them a team to potentially watch next year now. But uh, yeah, as soon as the draft's done, we're going to start digging down into all that. But in terms of today, I think we usually when we do these shows, I've got this big-ass sheet where we have all this research done down and we've got a clear plan for the show and everything goes smoother. Well, this week we've kind of, we're working really off-piste with there's two weeks to the draft. Everything's happened. The pro days have happened. The combines happened. There's not a lot now that's going to happen between here and the draft that we've not really gone over already. So what we decided we'd do is we'd have one. We'd have a show today. Uh, we're just going to go through lots of questions. So if 
Oh, Debt Fan Man's in the chat. He goes, did I miss Hank? You did, but hopefully we'll get him back later, Debt Fan Man. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to go through a bunch of questions today, really, and just have a little sort of impromptu Q&A. If you've got anything that you want to ask us, just whack it down in the chat. I've got some mailbag questions from our socials. I've also come up with some questions for me and Ryan to discuss some of the lesser discussed aspects of the draft. Just trying to do something a little bit different, because I think we can all agree now there's a lot of issues in terms of the draft and the lines this year that we're really, really just tired of especially that uh, second pick in there just before we start get through all the usual housekeeping stuff uh, quick shout out to everyone's in so depth fan man is in the youtube chat thank you to, for joining us as always i know ash is in the twitch chat he says insert standard greeting well hello there to you ash hope you are doing well and to everyone else who's with us um again we really appreciate it if you've got any questions during the evening college wise anything just give them in to us because, to be honest, that's going to make up a lot of today's show. But as I say, I'm just going to get the housekeeping out of the way. So just to remind you, we have Discord. If you're not in there already and you want to come and uh, have a chat with us, just let us know. We'll send you the link. Lots of stuff going off in there at the minute. Everything from American football to our soccer over here. All sorts of interesting conversations. And if you like playing Wordle, it gets very competitive in there as well. So uh, just drop us a message. We'll give you the Discord link. Um, our main podcast, we're going to be coming back next Monday. We will be doing our seven-round mock drafts for the Detroit Lions, and we've got a special guest joining us as well. I'll reveal who that is at the end. Our British viewers might know who this guy is. Um, obviously, we're part of Lions Nation Unite. If you've not checked that out yet, go give them a go. That's Herman Moore's fan project where uh, he creates a forum with content created by the fans for the fans it's a really really cool app you can go on you can find us on there you can find all sorts of other lions youtube greats on there you got dosa dion lions on the prowl all that sort of stuff so go check lnu out if you haven't already if you follow us on twitch we're now an affiliate on there so if you could follow us on there send us if you're part of amazon prime you get a free sub for twitch on there if you send us that way we would really appreciate that um i know we've had quite a lot in there derek bo barrett gave us uh one the other day he's he's done it two or three times now thanks ever so much to you and thanks to everyone else who's uh, subscribed to us on twitch as well our follow account is slowly growing on there and of course you find us all over you find us on youtube we've recently done interviews with eric schlitt and uh, ryan matthews from pride of detroit you can go and find those on there and you can uh, go and watch our uber long pod where we did the uh, first round mocks the other day that went on quite some time but it was quite funny and it was worth a watch. So if you get a chance to do that, uh, then do so. And just the last thing I want to plug before we get on with this. Obviously, draft is two weeks away. We will be doing our live draft shows. If you weren't with us last year, and a lot of you weren't because this time last year, we got uh, not that many followers compared to what we do now. So we will be going live during the draft we are live all throughout we are we have guests on with us we get a lot of british podcasts we get listeners from over in america we get all sorts so you know come and give us a check out there we're going to be doing a pre-show on the night of the first round of the draft then we're going to be live all throughout that then we'll do review shows on the friday and the sunday we're getting guests lined up so keep an eye out for it but it really really is going to be a lot of fun so yeah that's everything in terms of the uh that's everything in terms of sort of housekeeping for now. So we are going to crack on today. In fact, there's a few more people joined us. Um, Drew Forsyth is in the chat. Uh, Dan McGuinness is in there as well. Dan says, how are you fellas? Hope you're all good. We are good already. Um, he also asked us a question. Well, we'll, uh, we'll answer. 
Oh dear. Oh, so yeah. Um, yeah, Dan's asked a question. I'll get there to that in a minute. But yeah, Drew's in there with us as well. Drew, I believe, is, Drew is a very uh, interesting gentleman. I've had a, I've had um, the pleasure of talking with him over on Luke G's chat recently. He's ever so good at what he does. He's got a podcast on there. In fact, I'll uh, I'll shout that out in a little bit there for you, Drew. But uh, yeah, um, I can imagine it did. Um, I can imagine it did drive you a bit insane. The uh, the mock draft one the other day. There were a lot of uh, interesting decisions in there, including my own. Uh, I must admit, Ryan, you weren't there to uh, go through that one. I think uh, Matt's going to try and pull you up on some of those next week. But uh, I mean, how how do you feel about your mock draft altogether that you put the other day? I mean, I just I just don't like mine whatsoever at this moment in time. But I don't think any of us are really going to get to a satisfying conclusion with it, are they? No, I don't think anyone's going to be happy with their mock draft, really. <clears throat> uh, it was, it felt like more like a child in the labor of It was, I don't know, last year wasn't easy and we didn't do very well, but I feel like this year we're probably going to do even worse. Yeah. If I get five right, I'll be happy. But if I got none in the exact player to the exact team, then I wouldn't actually be that surprised. I feel like I got a lot of the first round picks right, but their order, I have no idea. I was looking online at like needs as well, but that's just opinions on what people needs and who's available at the time. Like say, looking online for specific draft needs for each team, like say, is very subjective. And you try go by it, but then they say they need a line, but do they really need an offensive line? Do you just want to give them a nice fancy receiver? I felt like I tried to be as true as I could with the teams that need an offensive line. Because I felt like that was the hardest group. I don't feel like there's that many elite offensive tackles. And there's like two really good guards. But 20 teams need an offensive lineman. So I had to go to their next need. So some of them probably not got a clue. Yeah, I, I fully understand that. I mean, you know, we get annoyed when people outside of Detroit start trying to mock us certain people. And you're just like, you, don't, you, you, really, you really don't know really do you so you know we know because we support the team and we're kind of more intuitive as to what we do and not need even though it might appear quite you know easy on the outside this team needs that and that maybe they don't maybe they've got players coming back they've got all this sort of stuff so just trying to uh trying to work it out is an absolute nightmare but yeah it's gonna be fun the lions seven round mock one should be a lot fun much more fun next week i know we've already done one for this show but really going to give it another go try and get a few in there as well um big aries 70s joined us on twitch he says i'll be trying to listen in on draft day i have three or four to flip between hey look if you can't listen to it all we don't expect you to listen to it all i mean trying to listen because matt's away in america at this time so it's going to be me it's going to be ryan it's going to be steve trying to listen to me for 20 hours over a weekend i i fully don't blame you but you know if you want to drop in every now and then we'll put up the schedules of guests we got so maybe there's someone you want to come on and listen to us talk to that'll be fun there so yeah there we go and ash says yeah i just redid mine for the predictor competition since my entry disappeared i'm not 100 percent happy with it yeah no one's no one's happy with their mock drafts and everyone does it a different way so don't know how to go with this. I mean, some people they like going the positional value routes. They like going the best player available routes. It's I don't know. Anyhow, I'm uh, I'm digressing, so we'll move on. So yeah, um, friends, I don't know. We're just doing a question and answer session really this evening on the draft. As I say we've got some mailbag questions. I've got some questions I've done here with Ryan, and then if you want to put any in the chat, then go for it. Just just quickly before we do start, I mentioned Dan asked a question earlier and can answer it now i guess we've done it a few times but um he goes i know it's been asked but i missed it he goes 
how do you all become Lions fans over there? So I don't know, Ryan, if you want to give a quick uh, quick thing for how you got into the Lions. I'll do mine, and then we'll uh, we'll crack on. Well, picking a if you go from like 2000, 2010, like picking an NFL team wasn't easy because you kind of before Sky Sports took it all on, you had like one Channel Four game a week, like say late nineties, early two thousand. So you didn't get much exposure. So you got a game a week and you didn't choose who it was. So I just happened to pick a week where Detroit was playing. I think it was, a, I think the first game was either, it was a Packers game or a Chicago game. And being where I am from, being from Bradford, like I say, it's it's not the most affluent of areas, which I suppose you could say about some of Michigan, especially Detroit. Like I say, it has these redeeming features, but it's people down in the look, very industrial, sports team, Bradford, have been very big. They've been to the high to the highs, and right now we're at the low of the lows because we're crap. Like I say, Detroit's a bit of a sleeping giant. Like I say, it's down on its luck right now. So around then, like I say, we've, we've had Owen 16, we've got Stafford, we've got Calvin. Like I say, we've had like luck with Reggie Bush. We've had, uh, we've had Tullock, we've had Averill. We've, like I say, had those kind of guys. We've had Sue. So that was the kind of real players I built my fan base around there. The nastiness on D Trent, the defense. James here, Digbo, was one of my favorites back then. He was a proper bruiser. And I just kind of warmed to it. Like, say, the colors weren't ever really to me, but I watched their style. I saw them, and then I managed to find some links online. So I felt like they were always the underdog. They were kind of always getting crapped on. And I know what that's like when you support a team that's really struggling, like saying it's a heart of your city. So I kind of could see some comparisons there. And I kind of stuck with them, didn't know it go anywhere. And then, like I say, got through uni a few years later, thing, and just all clicked. Like I say, got once the game pass came in and everything, watch every game, and kind of just found an affinity. Like I say, Stafford just has to be my favourite player of the whole regime. But Barry Sanders, I'm like I say, I'm a memorabilia collector, so I've got a fair few signed stuff, and they're the kind of guys I go to. So I don't think we'll ever see another person like him again. No, no, definitely not. Um, yeah, and just quickly in terms of me, I'll go through it quick because we've done it before, but I listened to Motown a lot as a child. Obviously, Detroit is the home of Motown. I sort of adopted it as my city when I was younger. I didn't watch the NFL, but when I did, eventually, when I got a little bit older, the Lions just sort of become the go-to team for me there. I just sort of, I didn't really question it at the time, and then even when I did, and when I found out they weren't the best in the world like Ryan, my soccer team over here is not one of the most successful in the world. It's quite small. We have a fan base, a hardcore fan base of about 5,000. This is this is them, Chesterfield, my, my other love. We're not even in the professional leagues in English football at the minute. That's how low down the rankings we are. But, you know, when you support teams like this, the community is passionate and it is very welcoming. And, you know, you just meet so many great people who are in it for the love of the game, not for the glory of it. And it's the same with the Lions. The Lions community is absolutely tremendous. Everywhere we go, from everyone who comes on here with us, you know, you go on Luke G's shows, all that, you know, it's it, it's amazing. So that's a short thing for me. But if you do want to see a bit more, Dan, actually, we just did a video that's come up this week on Deadline Detroit, where me, Ryan and Matt went on to chat with them. And we discussed this in a bit more detail. So if you want to see how we became fans in a bit more detail, go and check that video out. You can find it on our Twitter. And uh, yeah, that's about it, really. So let's crack on 
with some questions. So I'll just quickly go through the chat before I do. Joey Two Times is in there. What up, Doe? To you, sir. Appreciate you coming in. Michael Lucci's has joined us. He says, hey there, hey to you. Good, sir. Um, got one of your questions actually coming up later. Um, Drew, Drew's in there. Drew goes, I'm happy with my mock draft. I, I love you, Drew. You know, you're just so confident with your opinions and that, and it's absolutely amazing. And you're very steadfast in what you believe in and your reasoning. It makes me a better guy when I'm having to try and argue against you. I always feel like I'm losing, probably because I do have the wrong point of view. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> appreciate you there, bud. So, first question that we've got up here, um, I'm going to go... So, this was one that we were asked for the Monday show, but because Monday's podcast went on far too long, I just said we'd uh, move it over here. So, this was asked, actually, in our Discord chat by Zylo. And he goes, would you pick someone this draft to redshirt because of injury? So you've got like your Damone Clarks, your David Ajarbos, although he might not need to redshirt. Um, and he says, with the goal of competing for the playoff place in 2023 and not this season. So obviously, this draft class is full of injured players. You think both Alabama wide receivers, you know, Me- you know, Mechie, Williams, they've gone down. Drake London's just coming back off a broken ankle, you know. Damone Clark's had his injuries there. David Ajabo's tore his Achilles. I mean, would you be happy using our draft picks this year on players who are quite likely going to redshirt or are going to miss part of the season? Like, I guess, Levi Omuzarike this year and not really be able to get up to full speed with the intention of using them next year instead? Yeah, I would, yeah. There's, there's two players that I would do. I would pick Drake London. And even though people have seen me bash him, if we traded back from two, I would take Derek Stanley Jr. as the cornerback that I think may have a limited impact this year. But I think if you go back far enough, you could get tremendous value. And right now, there's a lot of discussions in the discard about corners, like say, how our group feels, when if we're going to move on from a Cuda if he doesn't deliver. Like say, if, like say, the same with Sauce, who's healthy now. Sauce could be a starter this year. But if I wanted to sit uh, and play Stingley Limited, and then next year, if we don't pay Armani, or if Akuda decides to ask for a trade because he feels like he needs a green grass, I'd feel very comfortable about a year two Derek Stingley. Like I said, I'm not high on him like at four or five. But if the Lions do trade back, let's just say we did do a deal with this, like say someone like say at nine or ten, and he's still on the board. And again, extra first rounder. I'd take Stingler. And if Drake London is there at 32 because people have questions about the ankle, I think I'll probably run to the podium. Like, say, because Chark could very well be a rental, like, say, and he's that big body pass catcher. As I said, when we're talking about the wide receivers, he was on pace for a Heisman year at over 1,600 yards. He was going at about 113 yards a game before he got hurt. He was lighting up defenses left, right centre and that was with bang average quarterback player he made JT Daniels look so good and Slovis everyone at USC is time there he made them look better than they were so those are the two guys Ojabo if you sit long enough he'll fall to you and he's not a terrible option but you've only got that one year production and playing opposite Hutchinson did help because there was a distraction there so I don't know really where I'm willing to go on him there but Damon Clark, third, fourth round. If he's still on the board because of the injury and he's probably going to miss most of the year and he could be the next guy that takes over Alex Anzalone. 
like I say, could be your next Mike Backer, like I say. So there are guys out there that could miss some all, all of this year that if they fall far enough, you're willing to sit on them a year. So for you, it's it's kind of more a, a value thing. There's, there's there's a value for them all, even if they're injured. Yeah, I don't want to reach for someone just looking at that next year potential. Like I said, I've got to get value as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird one for me. I, I, I sort of thought about this quite a lot. And I mean, for me, I, I guess it would be the individual player in question. It's like, in Ajabo's case... You are betting on one year of production when he's been working opposite the potential number one pick in the draft this year, and he's injured now. You know our edge rushing our edge rushing group needs instant improvement. This this very second, it needs someone in there to come in and change it up. And I would feel very uncomfortable about spending a pick on an edge only to have him sit and be injured. You know I'm 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 really not keen. On doing that, you know, if we're going to get an edge rusher in, we need to get someone who's healthy and who's going to be playing. We have enough injured edges already. You know, Romeo might not be fit for the start of the season. I can't justify spending a high pick on someone who is going to be there. But I mean, if it comes to the Alabama receivers, if it's to Mechie and Williams, it, I kind of don't mind as much. Because I feel like, you know, we have a decent receiver group here. We can maybe wait for them to bed in a little bit. We'll probably get something from them this year. Um, so I wouldn't mind as much, but I don't. I'd just be flawed thinking. I probably am flawed thinking, but I just think with some positions we can't afford to wait. We've got to get better now, and we've got to get these players in and and contributing to us. So it's it's a tough one. Um, I mean, there's a lot of talk in the chat about this. Uh, first up, Super Saiyan Lions is in. He says, "What up, ROTL UK and Lions fam? What up, though to you, sir? Thank you for joining us as always." So Depp Fanman raises a point here, and I was about to say, Drew's really going to agree with this, but he's already said it, and he's already asked me to look at it. So Depp Fanman goes, well, I mean, drafting injured players this year helps get a top pick for QB next year. I mean, he's not wrong, but I had this discussion yesterday, and I'm like, I still feel like we need to win games next year. I can't purposefully tank by taking injured players. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know, what do you think about that? Are you happy taking these players now and just sort of punting another year? I mean, I don't think I can. I don't think I could abide by punting another year. I don't see any correlation between taking injured players this year and being bad next year. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely think with who we've got now, we can be better next year. Even if we didn't take anyone at all in the draft, I think we could be better next year. I don't see us in contention at all to take Bryce Young or Will Anderson at one or two. Yeah, I'd say I want to be picking it like four, five, or six next year, whatever happens. So, yeah. I don't see... No, I don't really buy into that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, if it's one of the byproducts that happens, if you get a player next year, then that's great, and you get a top draft pick, but you've got to hope the team stays together, the losing doesn't impact them too much. And, I mean, look at Levi this year. People are already questioning him going into year two because he's been injured last year. It's like, well, are we going to give the same slack to people who are injured this year, or are we just going to expect them to hit the ground running after 18 months out, and then come come have a go with this next year. I, I don't know. It's it's an intriguing question. Anyhow, though, um, that fan man. Um, what else did I say in there? Um, ah, Drew mentions about the kind of injuries they're having, and yeah, that is true. Spinal fusion for Clark is a lot different to a torn ACL. I guess you can come back from... I guess you have to take everything on its own merit. And, you know, 
see if there's going to be any long-lasting impact. I know there's no way to really judge this properly, but um, yeah, I guess you have to look at it on its own merit. What the injury is, how long it's going to take, odds it's going to affect them at the next level. So I'd be intriguing for me. It's for Ryan. He says there's value there for everyone. They've just got to fall to the right thing. For me, it depends on a player-by-player -player basis as to what you're looking for and whether you're willing to let them wait or not. So. I don't know. We will uh, we will see with that one now. Um, Drew asks, who is the third host? Well, Depp Fanman will be delighted because this third host is Hank, the uh, French bulldog. He is here. He loves to steal the limelight. Every time he's here, everybody asks about Hank. No one cares about us. You know, I think that's why we get lots more viewers on this show these days. They all just come to watch Hank. So, you know, appreciate that if <laughs> coming from there. Appreciate you coming to see him there. Um... Super Saiyan Lions goes, we need to win games this year and next year, absolutely. For me, the next stage of this team's development is learning how to win games. It's all very well having the attitude, it's all very well having the camaraderie in there, the culture set, but eventually you've got to learn a culture of winning games. And I mean, if we can't finish in front of the Bears this year, who are at the start of a rebuild and are absolutely atrocious, that would raise such big red flags for me in terms of this coaching staff and their ability to make this team good. So, you know... I mean, people think differently. People think we can get, you know, not do that, and that's absolutely fine. You're well within your right to think of that, because if we do pick high again next year, we get the quarterback, we could have the developed team there, but I just worry. I just worry that this team loses too much, the youngsters lose too much, and then when we've got the team here, they don't know how to win games, and we're just back to where we started. So I can see both sides of the argument with this. Um, Super Saiyan goes, as Lions, we are so used to seeing them lose that we are okay with just okay seasons. I'm tired of that. I want to see these guys win now and next year take the division. Well, I mean, <laughs> taking the division may be ambitious, but I'm with you, Super Saiyan. I want to see them winning games. I want us to beat the Bears. I want us to beat the Vikings. I want us to be competitive and go into next year. We've got draft capital next year to go up. Um, so... I don't think where we pick necessarily with our pick is the biggest thing in the world. We might get more picks this year. Who knows? There's an absolute... There's a lot of factors in play here, but... Yeah. I don't know. We'll move it on anyhow. In fact, I'll just quickly check Twitch before we do. Oh, oh quick one. Just a one-word answer, Ryan. Um, Ash goes, just for funsies, who's a better quarterback? Jordan Travis or Derek King? Probably go John Travis. I know he's baiting me into answering that question. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that as well, but Derek King's bad, so, you know. That, I'm not, that's not a compliment. That's just like who's the worst out the pair of them, so anyhow. Yeah. Right, we're going to move it on with some of these questions. So, um, another one from our mailbag. Phil on WhatsApp posed us a Michigan Jeopardy question. He said, would you rather take Hutchinson at two, or would you rather have a Jarbo Hill and a future pick after trading the number two overall, bearing in mind Ajabo, he's probably going to be injured this season. Hutchinson, because Ajabo could be a bit of a one-hit wonder flash in the pad, may not work at next level. Daxton Hill, I'm not interested in him because I think he'll be a slot corner. Had a pretty good year, but for me, he's not it. Like I said, I think that I, there's other places I want to go over get safety talent, so I prefer other safeties over him. Like I said, the only thing attractive about that deal is the future pick to me, but no, I'll take Hutchinson because we, we need some serious juice off the edge, and if we can get it right now, then I'm willing to take it. Yeah, 
I'd probably take the Hutch side as well, as far as that one goes. So, yeah, we both go Hutch in that case. Um, Joey goes, if they only win three games next year, Holmes and Campbell will be firmly on the hot seat. I mean, yeah, yeah, I figured they would. The third year, they really will have to go for the playoffs and really make marked improvement very quickly. I'd, I'd, it's it's very complicated. Doesn't I don't know how long Sheila will give them. You would think a while because they've been given a six-year deal, but it just throws too much in the air. Winning games solves a lot of problems, and we've got a lot of money in free agency next year, potentially as much as 90 million at this moment in time. We've got extra draft picks. We've got a lot of capital to get even better next year. So I feel like if we come on with another wave, a second year of momentum, Sky is going to be the limit for us there in terms of how that goes. So, yeah, again, could go in one of many different directions. Um, right, so, one of the first ones to really get our teeth into here. So, Mark on Facebook asked us, he says, what is the best and what is the worst case scenario for the Lions in the first round? So... I'll start with you. What's the best case scenario that happens in the first round for the Lions this year? How do they win it? I'd say trade two. Ideally, I want to come out of this first round with three players. So if we can, if we can trade with someone and get another first, then I am very happy. That is the best case now, even regardless of who the players are. If we can shift two that no one really wants or no one's really worth, then that means Brad Holmes has got some good negotiating skills. The worst case scenario is we do something stupid like take an offensive tackle where we do not need an instant starter upgrade. That is one way you'll piss the fans and piss me off. Yeah, I, I know you've already said you'd riot if it was offensive. Not tackle. a lot, not a lot to do. Like I said, just just don't take a tackle. It, it's the best group we've probably got. Like, so you don't need to make it better. Just go fill another hole. We've got so many weaknesses. It's not a weakness. For anyone that I've seen like doing like icky at two, like I just want to punch you in the face. Like it, it irritates life out me. That would really, really upset me. Just, just, just in case any of you in the comments and chat anywhere have like mocked him at two, just don't worry. We, we aren't actually threatening violence towards you, but you know it's just emotions are high at the minute. So, <laughs> but the, we've had about nine or ten players mocked to us by there at this point. So, right. So your best case scenario is that we trade and get three picks, and then your worst case is if we take a tackle. That's fine. In fairness, that's the same with me. So my best case scenario is we trade. You know, if we can get two picks in the middle of the first. And one of those players especially could be Devin Lloyd and someone else. You know, we've got four picks in the top 34 then. We have massive in influx of talent for next year. That's really going to be a big boon. And for the coaches to be able to get their, get their uh, mitts into them and really start developing them straight away, that's an absolute win for us. I don't mind missing out on some of the better players there. If we get four good ones by 34, we absolutely win this draft for me. In terms of the worst-case scenario... Me, I've put it's drafting Trayvon Walker and not having a safety by 34. So for me, if we draft Trayvon Walker, you are betting on upside. He has not produced the, ma the most amount on a stacked Georgia defense. You're betting on his athleticism. You are betting on him at the next level to be able to become this all-conquering pass rusher, which he's not been in college football. It's the defense as a whole that's been all-conquering. 
For me, that represents a huge risk that we can't afford. Because his floor is a lot lower than the other two if he doesn't pan out. Kayvon and uh, Hutchinson. I'd sooner take one of them too. Because I know at least, even if they don't pan out as well, I'm still going to get a pretty decent player out of them and not a complete and utter bust. Which is what Trayvon Walker could be if that athleticism does not translate. And if we haven't taken a safety by 34, I am going to be screaming because we have not we have not put anything into that position for so long now that it's been it, it's bordering on criminal neglect especially this year when we're just going in with Tracy you know not even Will Harris is in there anymore cuz he's that special sort of safety or whatever they call there you need a safety and you need one high up me and you like the safeties on day 3 and the back but you want a starter in front of them and then you can develop the guy from the third, you know, the day three as well. So if we've not done those, that's the worst case scenario in terms of, of that for me. So hopefully, Mark, that answers the question there for you. Um, I don't know about you guys in the chat, if there's anything that you would be horrified by or absolutely delighted by. Uh, Super Saiyan goes, worst case, they draft Willis or Walker at two. So he agrees with me there. I mean, I guess we'd agree with Willis as well. Um not the greatest in there. Joey two times goes, I like Sauce at two better than Tibbs and Walker. I can see that, but that's going to be a very brave call to go corner at two again so long after, you know, not so long after drafting Akuda there, but you can make a case for it, I guess. And if he reaches his full potential, then absolutely he'd be worth it, but recent history has scarred a lot of us to corner, so you know, <sighs> yeah, it could be, could be a lot in there that's, um, I, th I think there are a few few bad choices for us there. Unless likewise, there are a few good ones in. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see with that. Um, so, Ashley on WhatsApp. Um, oh, this is our Ashley. Um, so he asked us if we'd do a quarterback matchmaker. So, in terms of where you think the best fit is for the quarterbacks in the draft this year, obviously, no one knows where the hell they're going to go because everyone is all over the place about them and the skill levels and just how high a draft pick are they. Obviously, they're one of the most premium positions, so they're probably always, always going to get bumped up just a little bit. But we'll just go through them and just quickly, you know, let's know where would your ideal fit be for the quarterback? Obviously, not us, but just where do you think they thrive the most? So, obviously, Malik Willis is up first. He's likely the first guy gone. It's sort of independent of where he does go. Where, where do you think he would make the most sense to go, Malik Willis? Uh, I can't remember where I put him in my first round mark. I think you had him at Carolina. I did, yes. I put him at the Panthers because Sam Darnold's a huge bust. I think Carolina have got a pretty good receiving core. Like I say, they've got a fairly stable offense that needs a spark. And they've shown well that they like to scheme in a quarterback that can run. Because look how much Cam Newton, look how much success Cam Newton had when he made that Super Bowl run. They like a quarterback that's able to do both things. So, yeah. Elite worst to that's at six, isn't it? Yeah. I think that could be the first place he goes. Yeah, yeah. See see I've put his best fit would be at Seattle. I said this the other day in my mock draft. I've got him going there. I think one he's in the similar sort of mould to what Russell Wilson is. I'm not saying he is Russell Wilson, but he is very mobile. He's got the arm to be able to make the throws that Russell Wilson does. He fits the scheme what they had there for Russell Wilson, and to be quite perfectly honest you're going to be a quarterback going to Seattle, you need to be able to run because you are going to be hunted down every single play out there, just like Russell Wilson was. 
a, a static quarterback like Carson Strong or you know more Kenny Pickett type thing, they they get killed there. I think they would get absolutely killed behind that line this year. They've not got the most picks to be able to fix it. But I just I just see him schematically as a fit for Seattle. Um, Pickett. I, not necessarily where would he go in the draft, but where do you see him fitting best, Kenny Pickett? Well, the easy option is Pittsburgh because they're like a big quarterback that's a good pocket passer, a strong arm. So you feel like that's a natural progression to him. Yeah, that that would be my Even I don't like it much, I feel like it does. But I don't think he makes it that far. Yeah. I, I, I think that's too low for him. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know with these teams because I didn't have Pittsburgh as going quarterback this year. I think they'll give Mitch a chance, but I know it is the easy cop-out answer because he played in Pittsburgh for the Peng, the, not the Penguins, the Panthers. And you can just say, oh, he'll go there and he'll fit their scheme. But I, I do agree to a degree that I'd fit there. I think he'd fit in New Orleans pretty well in sort of the Drew Brees mould. He just needs to be able to, you know, stop running around the pocket all over the place and just be calm and collected with his throws and I think he could go there um, oh Drew's mentioned he says his best fit is New Orleans as well they have the, the line and the skill position players yeah they, they do have the players there for him to have some success and they've got a relatively good line to protect him as well he just needs to stop being so antsy in the pocket um, and I agree he, he would make a good fit there um, to do. Just quickly diving into the chat again. Super Science says, I asked Daniel Jeremiah on the Pat McAfee show, what's the difference between Walker and Aaron Curry? No one ever talks about them till the combine, but he didn't answer my question. Well, <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't answer your question while he was on the Pat McAfee show. But you do raise a good point there. So, yeah. I don't know. Maybe he might. Maybe he might have seen it. Maybe he might answer it at some stage. Um, Drew also goes Carolina for... Um, pick it. I mean, oof. I, I don't know. I just, I don't trust Carolina to protect anybody at this moment in time. I would worry if they went down there. And they're going to be a horrible team next year. They're going to be going probably for the number one pick. They could ruin a guy's confidence in his first year. So that is that's a bit of a worrying one. But, but we'll move it on. So, Desmond Ridder. Where do you see him being best fit? Doesn't matter where he gets drafted, but which team do you think would suit him best out of all the ones looking for a quarterback? Uh, hey Washington I say he's very composed I'll give him that and they've got weapons they already have the line as well so he doesn't have to escape the pocket he's willing to step up and stay in there and then drop it in so I think he would be a good fit with like Terry McLaurin See, we've not done our answers together for this. We've done those independently, but I thought similar to you. I think that's a perfect scheme for him. I think he's the most pro-ready guy out of the lot of them. And if you put him in a decent situation with some good pass catchers and that, he could flourish. And, you know, again, they've got the protection there for him to keep him upright. So I would like to see um, I would like to see Desmond Ritter in Washington for sure. Um, Sam Howell. Detroit. Damn it! And I genuinely it. think that. I know people don't yeah. like that, but at, 32, at 34, if we've taken two defensive players, yep. I see him being a nice fit in Detroit. Like you say, he has got sneaky escapability, but he is a pocket passer. We have got a great line, and he will step up into it, and he will deliver you a strike. And he's got a big arm. Like I say, so now we're looking to push stairs down the field. I think he could be a future Lions quarterback. I don't know, people don't like that. 
no, I, I agree 100%. You know, this is why I thought I might be able to, to catch you out here and I'm going to like mop one of these to Detroit. But, you know, we've kind of been on this train together for a while now. I'd be the same if we've got two stud defensive players and then he sat there at 34 and they call his name. I'm just not going to be mad. You know, I, I, I just like the way he plays. Like I said, before last college season, I wasn't interested in the slightest. But after that hammering he took after the Virginia game, um, I just watched him more, and he's tough as Stafford. He's absolutely as tough as Matt Stafford. He has that Motor City Dan Campbell grit that you want from your quarterback. He is a pocket passer with a good arm. There are bits he needs to work on, but like I say, he's got the escapability as well. You can use him in the run game on the occasion when you want to, and I just I don't I really root for him. He's a hundred times more mobile than Goff. Yeah, golf. Watching golf try to escape the pocket is painful. But like I said, I think of all quarterbacks rushing this year, Howell finished like third, down like Willis and Corral, like I say, and he had like eleven touchdowns on the ground. Like I say, he is really good in open space, and he's got a good low center of gravity. He makes it look effortless when he's trying to escape the pocket, whereas golf sometimes looks like an absolute clusterfuck when he runs and turns into a sack. Yeah. You know, you said it a bit there, and Drew's just said it as well. He goes, he's a pocket passer first, but yet he's mobile. He will look for the pass first. There are too many quarterbacks who go scampering after a first read too quickly. That ain't going to get you very far at the NFL level, but he will go through all his reads, and then he runs if he needs to, which is, you know, that's a big thing for a quarterback, especially a rookie. You know, you want that guy who's going to look for that the is pass the number first. One, yeah. Yeah. That is the number one problem with Malik Willis. I read somewhere, I think on like QB pressures or where his line collapsed, he scrambled and left the pocket on 41% yeah. of his drives. The NFL average is like 24%. He has got to learn to stay in the pocket and stop bailing because he will get murdered. Yeah. He needs to grow He needs to grow some balls. Like I say, his line at Liberty wasn't the best, but he will not step into it. He just gives up way too quickly because he knows he's athletic. That will not fly at the next level. You will get yanked out of the game if you will not trust your offensive line or step in and deliver a strike. If you just try to roll out constantly and run into a sack or they just put players on the outside yeah. to stop you rolling out, like you say, you will be a bust. Yeah, and even, you know, that's one of the things the Lions have done well over the years of keeping mobile QBs from escaping. You know, if we can do that, Anybody can. And then you're in trouble. And that's the big issue I have with Willis at two. And it's always I've had it. I love the dual threat QBs, but I just hate how he escapes all the time. He's not looking for his throws first a lot of the time. And like you say, it's going to get him hurt. So Sam Howell has that. Fan man's on wood. He goes, I'm totally down to throw in the towel for Howell. Well, thankfully we don't need to throw in the towel for him anymore. We will get him if we want him. But yeah, I I would not be mad. And I'm sorry, that's just, that's just how I feel. So... Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think they might. I don't know, but again, wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be too upset with that, right? So, last couple for the QB matchmaker, um, Matt Corral. I know you're the biggest Matt Corral fan out there, so I imagine you'd find a home for him quite quick. Yeah, given New Orleans, given the weapons, and given the really good offensive line, there's no reason Matt Corral can't be the best rookie out of this class. People have just stopped talking about him because he got hurt and they hadn't seen him. But in the SEC, he was putting up huge numbers week in, week out. And there isn't many things he can't do. He has got a huge deep ball. 
like you say, he was spraying them to Braille on Sanders and Ontario Drummond on a regular. Like say, I think he's going to be really polished at the next level. I like the thought of him in Pittsburgh as well. I don't know why. I just feel like he's the guy who's going to be able... Because that offence has been so limited by Big Ben's lack of mobility over the years. I mean, again, first and foremost, Matt Corral is a pocket passer who will get the pass there. But you can incorporate him into the run game. He's got a lot of rushing yards in his art, you know, under his uh, collegiate career. You know, I mean, on some games, he's gone over 100 yards. This is a guy who can... You can scheme a lot differently for him, but he's not incredibly different from Big Ben in the, way, the style he throws and that. So you don't have to change your offense for him. And again, they're probably more primed to go now and really make a run of it if they draft right again. And it's a tough division. They, you know... I know I said they wouldn't take one, but if they're going to, he'd be the guy I think I'd go for there. And then finishing it off, the last one of the lot, Carson Strong. I mean... See, it's hard because, like you say, he's even when healthy, he's not the most graceful. He's not the most prettiest on the eye. Like I said, the, the escapability, the dual threat isn't always there, but he's got a very strong arm. He's very he's pretty accurate. He's got a nice tight spiral. So you've got to give him someone that will create a shield for him. So you've got to give him with someone with a really good offensive line. And I don't know if I've, is there any teams left out that said that I've got I mean, a good, can, solid you can, line. You can, you can double a team if you want. I mean, it's just literally yeah. who you think the best matches are for these guys. Because obviously I'm sure teams will be, you know, taking more than one quarterback into consideration. I mean, again, like I say, you need a guy, you need a pocket passing team. I mean, it's like, I wouldn't say if the Patriots had taken someone last year, he might fit in there, but he probably might fit in there. But they had someone last year. Obviously, they got Mac Jones. But yeah. I think I think it'd be in that sort of model. Maybe the Falcons, if he's in, if he's in round two, maybe Atlanta. It could yeah, be a successor there. As long as they spend the next two years rebuilding that line to protect him, because obviously he will redshirt next year. He will not play next year, so they've got two years to fix the line. I, I could get on board with that. He's got the big arm, got the fast receivers out there. Um, yeah, okay. So that is our that is our matchmaking scheme there for the quarterbacks um, right there's a few more on there but I'm going to go to some of the ones I've done for us this evening so questions that maybe not have been asked as much about at this moment in time so the first one I've got for us so last year there were some surprises in the first round in terms of guys who were picked obviously the Raiders every year seem to pick someone who comes from out of nowhere in terms of the first round consideration. But the one that stood out last year was Peyton Turner. So obviously he was the edge guy who was drafted by the New Orleans Saints at 27 or 28, something like that. He had been mocked towards the end of the second round for pretty much all of the, you know, postseason you know, activities, you know, going through the combine and everything. There was no chatter whatsoever about him being in round one. Not even close to it. Not like on the periphery. And then he got picked. Now, obviously, it happens every year. Some teams have much higher evaluations on players than anyone watching does. So, my question here for both of us, but I'll go to you first. Who's this year's Peyton Turner? Who do you see as a player who has not had any discussion really about been in the first round whatsoever who someone could really love and will take in the first round I feel like it's going to be a linebacker 
I feel like someone like well, he's had talk, but it won't surprise me like Leo Chanel or Quay Key Quay Walker. If one of those sneaks into the end of the first, which could very well be a mistake. I feel like one of those two, maybe. So linebacker, yeah, that's good. To be honest, to me, yeah. I think it's going to be edge again this year. Obviously, Peyton Turner was edge last year. I think with the amount of edge guys around, and sort of, there are a lot of developmental guys, inconsistent guys on the end of the first. And I think the one who could really sneak in for me is um, Nick Benito. Now, he's the Oklahoma edge. Now, as far as I've seen, he's had no first-round consideration whatsoever. I know at one point he was sort of in that group in the 35 to 40 section apart from that, but I've never seen him mock to the first. But for me, the versatility that he brings for you, you know, you can play him in a 3-4 as an outside linebacker. You can play him in a 4-3 as sort of an off-the-ball linebacker. You play him as an edge on passing downs. For me... I, I just think that versatility you get there with him, he's got, you know, I know the frame is a little low for what you want for a guy like that, but, you know, he's got speed, he's got quickness, he's got the body control, he's got the bend that you want there from him. I just see a team, especially with a defense that's quite flexible in the way that it plays, I feel like he might have something over the guys like Boye Mafe and Kingsley and Agbare and the guys like that who are up there who are a little more, you know, not as versatile in what you can do with them. So for me, I see Nick Benito been the surprise round one pick there, but I can get on board with the linebacker ones. To be honest, outside of Dean and Lloyd, no, no other linebackers have been predicted in the first round, have they? So I can get behind that. I don't know what, what you guys in the chat think now. Drew, this was one I was thinking about, but I. Can you see a running back? Yeah, Drew's put. Can you see Brees Hall drinking on the first? Yeah, Drew's put Brees Hall in the chat. Now I thought about this. I was just I, thinking about that way. I was, and I'm just thinking, but I'm just thinking, who would do it? I know, because I know Brees has been sort of upper second round. Well, I guess he's mid second round, upper second round, but it would be a surprise if he went first. But who could you see pulling the, you know, pulling the trigger on him? I mean, who needs a running back? That I mean, I think it's got to be someone. It's got to be someone that's got everything in place. Exactly, and you look at the groups at the end. So I mean, I mean the Packers have two first-round picks if they go a wide receiver. I mean, oh no, they've still got Aaron Jones, haven't they? Um, so you've got the Bengals, you've got the Packers, you've got the. Bengals? In fact, you know what? The one who I. S <sighs> yeah, maybe, maybe I know. He's an upgrade on Zach Moss and Singletary, maybe. The Bills, yeah. I, th I think that's the one I saw, because I, I was thinking about this earlier, whether I wanted to give it an answer or not, but yeah, Brees Hall could certainly be one in terms of when it comes to the Bills. Um, Drew says Benito to Baltimore in round two. I mean, he might be, he might very well be, but I think the, the versatility for me means that he could sneak in there. I mean, Peyton Turner came out of nowhere, didn't he? I mean, I didn't even know who it was when they drafted them. I mean, there was him, there was... Try on the linebacker from Tampa. He'd not really been predicted up there. I mean, the the Raiders raided like usual with Leatherwood. We, me and you were really down on Leatherwood last year, and they took him at what 14, 15. It was like, oh god, there were some reaches in there. Um, so yeah, I mean, Drew says Kansas City. I mean, do they give up on Edwards Hilaire? Do they take a linebacker, a linebacker, a running back? Because they need a receiver and they need an edge rusher. But 
might they hold fire on the receiver and go a bit later and get the Premier running back? I guess they could do. They could do, yeah. Like you say, Edwards Hilaire is mm, an odd bat, like you say. If you were to pick again, he never goes before Swift. Swift has been much better and people still rave about CH. I've never bought into it, really. Ooh, right. So, Ash has said James Cook. That would be a shocker and a half if he went in the first round. I think Kenneth Walker would be ahead of him. I, I'd put Damone Pierce in front of him, to be quite frankly, right now. I mean, to be honest, I'm going to put this in here now. I'm going to say Kenneth Walker. I'd love for Kenneth Walker to go in the first round. You look at the tape, you watch... Someone posted up highlights of the Michigan game again the other day, and sorry Wolverines fans on here, but he wrecked them. He absolutely and utterly wrecked them. On his own in some cases. I think he'd be worth it for the right team. No, I've never been super high on Walker at next level. I just... I don't know. I just feel like... I just don't feel like he's got it. Like you say, and James Cook, like, I'd probably have to drug test myself if he went on the first in the first round because yeah. I think I'm yeah. hallucinating. Yeah. That would be uh, that'd be a disastrous pick. I think Kenneth Walker. I think any running back in the first round this year would be a disastrous pick because yeah. they will all be there in round two. Yeah. Why would you give up a first rounder? There's no, there's no Derrick Henry. There's no. Uh, who would you say is the elite backs right now? Like say, there's no Alvin Kamara. There's no guy like that. You can just put the workload on and say, there you go, go do it. I mean, cause like, you see there the, isn't that guy. Because you see the books doing it if they want to try and go for a Super Bowl again. Or do you reckon they've just got too many needs elsewhere? I, could, I mean, one of these prepped teams who might just, another guy in there. It could be. I wouldn't do it because I still think Leonard oh, Fournette yeah. yeah, has yeah, yeah, still yeah. got all the kids. But he's still, he's only like 27 as well, like say. Yeah. Right, Keyshawn Robin, Keyshawn Johnson, whoever is behind him. I don't rate any of the people behind him, yeah. but they keep paying him for a reason. Yeah. So, but yeah, someone will, someone will fall in love and they will take a back that they want. Like I said, I think the first back is going to be very early round two, and then you will see a huge list of them go. Yeah. Like I say, I think Isaiah Spiller will be one of the real big fallers. Yeah. Who was supposed to be running back too, but. Yeah. He had a really bad season. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So, yeah, um, in terms of the guys who we think might be reached for in round one, so we've got Nick Benito, we've got Leo Chanel, and we've got possibly Brees Hall in there as well. So, like I say, last year was shocking for some of the reaches that were in there, especially the Saints. You don't expect that from them. Um, yeah, big, big uh, shout-out to everyone who's in the chat with us at the minute. My man Lions Rumble has joined Always, always a pleasure to have you in here, sir. Hopefully you are doing well. Chrome is in as well. He goes, uh, what up as well? Um, Super Saiyan lines. Walker, to me, is still the best running back in this draft. You know, I'm on your train as well. I, th I think there's not much between him and Hall, but I just love the way he played last year. I might be a bit biased, but yeah, they were great there. So, right, switching this round. So we've just talked about guys who could be the new Peyton Turner this year in terms of getting drafted much higher than they're predicted at the minute. So I'm going to switch it around. Obviously, some people dropped as well last year. We were very surprised, especially when it came to the safeties. Morig fell when he'd been in the 20s forever. But the big dropper was Jock. Obviously, Awusu Koromoa. We were pounding the table for him 
at once, especially when it got to the second round pick. And he went well into the 40s and no one foresaw a drop like that. Now, obviously stuff comes out and these players drop for a reason there. But it was a big drop and an unwarranted drop because he played well with the Browns. And they got an absolute steal getting him there. So the question is, who do you reckon who has been in first round contention a lot this year? Who do you see has the potential to have a JOK slide this year? Uh, Jahan Dotson. I feel like he's been he's had first round chatter. Like I say, he was predicted to go in the first round, but I just don't feel as strong about him as I do a lot of receivers. I see a lot of people out there that are willing to take, like say, Mechie, London, Jameson Williams, a lot of the guys that are hurt before Dotson. I think he could slide well into the second round. I think he'll go a lot later than people did. I've seen people Originally putting him at like 25 to 32. I don't see him in many first round mocks these days. I think he's on a skid. Yeah, yeah, I can get with that. I think a receiver would certainly be in consideration for this. I mean, I had eight in my first round mock draft, so someone's going to fall out of these. I don't know whether you agree here or not, but I think this could be the real outside for a slide. I think Jordan Davis could slide. And I think he could slide big time because he came to prominence after the combine again like Trayvon Walker for his athleticism and not necessarily for what he did on the field with Georgia obviously he's a very dominant nose tackle but I think in Walker's in Trayvon Walker's case he's an outright edge so I think the positional value as much as I don't agree with it sometimes someone's still going to take him on the edge because of the ridiculous upside he's got but I was trying to find fits for Jordan Davis around especially guys who need nose who play the three four systems and stuff like that and I didn't have him going until the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at like 29 and that was just because they haven't bought Endomacong Sue back yet and even though if they might I think he still might fit but I think for where he plays and you know you're potentially you know you're going on potential I I see him sliding am I am I talking out my ass there or could you see that as well I say it's not I saw looking at a few teams this near this year, there wasn't that many teams that had like interior defensive tackle as a drastic need. Like say two tech, three tech, those real stout guys in the middle. I didn't see a crying need for that on a lot of sides. Like say a lot of edge, tons of edge. He's not an edge. Like say he is not gonna play the wide nine. He's not gonna kick outside that far. He's gonna generate pressure inside to out. So I struggle to him as well like Devin Lloyd I struggled to find a place for Devin Lloyd in my mock draft I think I sent him to the Vikings at like 14 or 15 because like say the whole bar Kendricks one's gone one wants too much money like I say but he could go a little bit later than people think like I say maybe linebacker in this first round is not a sexy position people might not be that interested he could go he could go into the 20s. You never know. What about Nakobe Dean? A lot is made about his size. And I don't know whether that's NFL teams talking or analysts talking. But you say if there's a slide on linebackers, because I didn't place Lloyd till 15 either, which is a joke. I'd trade back up for him if he started going anywhere near that far. But could Dean be a surprise like a JOK? Oh, yeah. I think his size does hurt. I say he's physical, but... Like I say, the coverage skills, 
aren't as polished, like say the lack of size, like say, and the size of lack of weight as well. Like say, what is it like six one? Like say, that is not like your typical modern Mike linebacker. He may well struggle against big defensive lines and some of the bigger running backs as well. Like say, is he really going to be hold his own? Is he going to be that that devastating finisher? So I think I think he's going to skid. He might just nip in at the end of the first round, but. When you're looking for like size and strength, like say like Chad Muma, like just outside the first, has so much more to offer because of the build as a proper every down linebacker than maybe Jacoby Dean does. But Dean was part of a historic defense, one of the best of all time. Maybe that saves his blushes a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think some someone could love him. And it just takes one team, and then he's off the board. But again, like, sometimes teams panic when someone slides, and they're like, "What the hell's up with him?" You know, the other teams are passing on. So that's interesting. Now, Drew brings up an interesting one as well. And if anyone else in the chat is, you know, if the, are there any other guys who you think are going to drop like JOK did last year? Let us know, and we'll discuss it. But Drew says Linderbaum. Now, this is interesting because I love Tyler Linderbaum, and I think he should be a top 10 pick. But then again, I did my mock the other day. He's small. He didn't go till Cincinnati. And I was like, again, there's a landing point at Baltimore for him, but I think Baltimore's need at edge is far greater at the minute because they don't have one. They've just re-signed Calais Campbell, who's 50, and they're going to need a new guy there in future. And I think that takes precedence. And, and every time it came to sort of a pressure point for him, they always had... A, a more pressing need. So could you see Linderbaum potentially falling quite far? I could do, yeah, because he only came in at like six foot two. I didn't know that small. He's very athletic, but he is not a big guy. Like I say, I think uh, I like Alex Lindstrom. He's a really good centre. I think they'll probably toss up between one or two, but I struggled with centre this year as well. It was not an easy place to mock someone. I think Alec Lindstrom's a day three pick at the minute, isn't he? Last I checked. I, d I don't think he's not on Linda Baum's level, but I could be wrong. You never know. Um, Super Saiyan Lions asks us in the chat. He says, what do you guys think if the Lions would take a running back in the second or third round? Because as much as I like Swift, I don't think he stays healthy. Now, it was interesting because I think in our mocks last week, me and you both took a running back in the fifth. Am I right or am I wrong? Did you take... I took... See, I keep mocking... Mm, no, I didn't. Did you not? Well, in my case, I'll yeah. answer this first. I don't. I wouldn't take one in rounds two or three, but I've taken Devontae Price in round five a lot because we had him at the Senior Bowl. I really like what he would bring to the side and bring a depth in there, possibly to take on a lot of the load as well. You know, he's a very strong runner, very willing runner. I, I can't remember much about the passing game, but we got depth in our running back room. I just want to put another body in there, another good depth body. I'm not going to spend too high on it at the minute, but what about you? Would, would you spend a second or a third on a running back this year, or just are there too many pressing needs elsewhere? Uh, no, definitely not round two. Round three? Uh, no, I still don't want to. I'd, I'd, if we trade one of those round threeers to move back a bit and we got a fourth, I think the fourth is where I'd probably earliest want to go for running back. Like I say, if we can accumulate someone there, then I'm set. Like I say, I do agree that a lot of people love Swift. I really like Swift. I just not sold on him. I just don't think he's got the longevity. He will never be that every down back. 
He does not run in between the tackles. Like I say, we saw it last year where he got pummeled against some of the teams. Like I say, and it was almost unfair to ask him to do that. So, at some point, the Lions do need to find a running back one. They do need to find that every down workhorse back that we've not had for a long time because we still don't have it. We've got a lot of guys, but we haven't got the guy. But no, if we got to like round three or four, and let's just say someone like my Rashad White, who's six two, runs a four 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 five, is there like in the four for a fifth? I'll go get him. I just say because he's an excellent receiver and he's got a big body. So that's where I'd probably be looking for a back. I mean, Abram's the bell cow this year, really, isn't he? The Baylor back. I mean, I guess if you're going for sort of a bell cow guy, he'd, he'd fit a lot of what you wanted from that. But I think his value is probably... In fact, I, I'm, I'm lying. I don't even know where he's mocked in the draft at the minute. I may be tempted. No. If Abram was yeah. there. If we're going to get a back, I want a big back. Yeah. I think... like when I say big back, I mean like a six foot one, six foot... 6-2, I want someone that can take the workload and is able to withstand some impact. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But I think we've got the overall depth in the room where, yeah, we can... I still like the depth options we have. We ran the ball pretty well last year. We've got the full offensive line back this year. You know, hopefully we get the tight ends and that into help to be able to run game to flourish, but... Yeah, if, if the right person's there, then uh, then absolutely go for it. Um, running back is a bit of a bit of a conscient bit of a contentious thing in the chat here. There's a few people who are up for it. Uh, Joey two times says I'm not doing anything with running back this season. If I'm Holmes, I roll with what I've got. I mean, yeah, I'm a big fan of Jamal Jefferson. Still, I think he can come in and add something as well as Swift and uh, and Jamal Williams. So I'm up for that as well. Guy saying that you know running backs have to be more proficient nowadays they have to run block they have to catch yes they do but you know i think we've got a nice little mix in our running back room which means we can we can send guys in for certain things and, and move it around a bit so but yeah i think the defense takes progress this year for rounds two and three so for me running back is just a bit too rich uh that high up in the draft um just to quickly finish off the chat about the guys who might slip ash in twitch says uh, about the quarterbacks obviously the quarterbacks could slide depending on what you want, whether you want the guy who'll start now, the ones with more upside. I mean, easily one of those could slip down to round three, maybe, depending on who wants what. So, absolutely, I can, yeah. uh, can get... I thought quarterback about because it's a bit too obvious. So yeah, I yeah. I yeah, didn't I, touch I, them. I thought they're, 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 they're all going to slip. Like, say, yeah. Carson Strong, Christ, he could still be there on day two. Like, say, you never know where he's going to go. Bailey Zappi, like, say, I've seen him sliding further and further. Yeah. As much as I like the kid, it's really hard to see where he fits at the next level. Is he just going to be a backup? Ridder, I see Ridder climbing, which is funny, because I'm just, I say, uh, would, um, would have been mad if the Lions put, got Ridder at like 32, if we got a stud. I'd say, uh, I'd probably pretend to be mad, but I'd probably feel like he's probably the one that could challenge Goff right now. Yeah. Yeah, potentially. I know you're right. I mean, if one of these guys did slip far enough, then of course they they become very, very tempting very quickly. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they slide and the questions that then sort of come with that. So, yeah, intriguing. Um, yeah, the running back question's still uh, 
still dividing people. Deathfanman's in there. He says, I like Godwin Igwebu. Okay, yep. Godwin is good. He just needs to sort his fumbling out then. Potentially with... Uh, we've got something there with him. And again, we've got a decent running back depth room. So you can find stuff to do with him. He can be a returner. Although I'd much rather have a proper returner this year. So um, Super Sango's... Yeah, but we said that about... Yeah, yeah, we did. He never sorted his bomb right out of there. No, no. <laughs> and Abdullah. And near Abdullah too. They See, both fumbled. Yeah, they did. You've got to find someone whose ball security is the big thing with them. I mean, even Jamal managed to fumble once last year and he had an unblemished career up to this point. So it's just, just a curse at this point. <laughs> Drew goes, a grad assistant could challenge Goff right now. I mean, <laughs> it's maybe a tiny bit harsh, but yeah, I, I, I agree. That, you know, the standard's not the highest it could be there. Super Saiyan goes, Howell will slip to the third round. If Howell is there at 66, I will row across the Atlantic, rip the paper off whoever's at the draft, and write his name myself and run up and put it in. That's how strongly I would feel if he fell to there. So, you know, so yeah, I would absolutely do that if he fell there. Um, so, yeah, that's good. Now, right, let's move on. What Did you say why? What? I'm curious why you think so far that far, because... Don't forget as well, Howell will be 21 when the season starts. He'll be the youngest of everyone that's a tier one starter. So does that not work in his favour that he's got he's got so much to learn and offer? Whereas Pickett will be 24 and Willis will be 23. So why does Howell fall to the third? Okay. Super that seems a long way for me. Super Saiyan, you are on the clock. Ryan is Ryan is uh, wanting your rationale behind Howell slipping to the third. So if you have, let us know and we will uh, discuss it a bit more. Um yeah, there's all sorts that could happen. There's just all all these positions. I think corners could start to slide. I think that would be one we've not discussed either. And I kind of bring it on to this because Tom, our Tom from the podcast, asked us, why should the Lions draft Andrew Booth Jr.? To which on Twitter I replied, we shouldn't, next question. But, you know, I, I guess we do have to discuss it because we did ask for questions from everybody. So, I mean, I guess Andrew Booth is part of that group that, could slide way down depending on what goes on because there are potentially a lot of corners who could come up as well but I mean Booth's an intriguing one I mean why, why should we draft Booth if we do because he's got the size for one he's got the prototypical build you look for he's strong I'd say he's been played at a higher level he's got good experience so I think he's one of the more I'm not going to say he's elite, but he's a safe option. If that's one of the words, he, he feels very safe, which I feel fine with. And he's got good size and length, whereas, like, say, Kyler Gord and Trevor Duffer, they're a bit scrawny. They've got the small arms, so's McCreary. He's got little baby arms on it. Even I like him. I feel like Andrew Booth looks for what he looked for. Like I say, if the Lions have to take a corner in the first two rounds, I will trade back and take sauce. I would take Andrew Booth Jr. Like say, if we get an extra pick or at the end of the first, if I'm pressed to take a corner, someone like that. Or like say, like a... I don't know, does Tariq Woolen, does he go at the end of the second? Is that a reach? Oh, Yeah, like I said, I, don't, I, I like Andrew Booth Jr. You know what? I'm going to... I'm gonna... Re readjust my answer to who could be the Peyton Turner this year. I think someone might really like Tariq Woolen and really go after him early if they're not sure about the cornerback class. 
I think he's a dark horse to go really early in this one to think of it. And I think Trent McDuffie is a big candidate to drop right down as well, like say with the size issues potentially there. So Kyler Gordon, I think will plummet. I don't consider Kyler Gordon a first. I think he's been out that conversation for too long to be considered someone who's going to fall. I think he's already down there, so that's why I didn't include him, naturally. Fan Man goes, is that my guy, Hank? Yes, it is. Hank is here. Hopefully going to get him kitted out with some Lions stuff soon as well. We have been asking round, so... If you know anywhere that does any doggy gear for Lions that will ship over here, then let us know, because we'll do it right away. Drew, as always, just been straight to the point. He goes, they should draft him because the DBs are not good. Well, you know, you can't really argue against that with some of that. And there's a lot of potential there, but he is a starting outside corner, like you say, potentially. There is a starting outside corner presence there for him. He has the build for it. Absolutely, we could um, we could do that. Um, so Super Sign replied. He goes, "I say he slides to the third because most of the teams that need a QB will be drafting one in the first or the second. So he's saying he's probably, you know, like the three or four teams who might draft one straight away. It might not be him, and then after that, there's a gap to when people will start taking QBs again. I guess I can get that. I, if if he doesn't if he doesn't go to Seattle or Carolina or Pittsburgh, and then that's it. Then there, there could be a huge slide after that. So. I can, I can agree. I can agree with that one there. Um, so yeah, like I say, with Booth, yeah, I probably would do it, but it wouldn't be my first first choice, I'll uh, I'll say, for that one. Um, then we've got a question from Michael Lucci's. He is in here with a chat with us, or he was. Hopefully you're still with us, sir. He goes, um, one thing I'm interested in are the limitations of players that we like. And he uses the examples of Boye Maffe and Christian Watson. He goes, what are the signs they could um, they could draft them, but Holmes could opt to pass and, and break our hearts specifically? So, I mean, I guess, you know, you know, I like to say, there are these players we like at the end, boy, Mafe, Christian Watson, but, you know, what are the reasons why they will pass on them, even if they were there? I think, Watson, you'd probably look at, if you're going to use some against him in experience, like say, at the top level, He'd say that he's gone against a lot of smaller, undersized defensive backs. He's probably had a lot of soft zone, a lot of like cover three. I feel like he's he's never seen the level of press and man he will get in the NFL. People that will get in his face and will try to bully him. So I think to not like disrespect him, I think he's always had everything his own way. He's always been that big kid, the big strong kid. And he's always been on a powerhouse at NDSU where teams have feared them. So he's probably got those nice cushions at the next level. No one's going to show him any respect whatsoever. He will back to be being that that kid, the one that you're going to try to pick on that you don't show any respect to. So he's going to go back to being a very small fish in a very big pond. Yeah, agreed. And then I think in Maffei's case... I think it it would be the inconsistency. I feel that they would they would maybe pass on him. You saw during the um, was it the inside the den episode when they did it with uh, when they were at the combine and everything, asking questions. You know, they were asking questions like, "Can this guy do it consistently?" You know, what really is he on there? Because Boy Mafe could be like your outside linebacker, your edge rusher. Can he do it consistently? It's always been his issue. If he was even a tad bit more consistent, then Mafe would be a high first round pick. That's the problem with him. But you can see the potential in there, like you can with a lot of these edge rushers. I mean, he goes for the ball all the time. He forces turnovers, just doesn't go for sacks. I really love that about him, but I can see the inconsistency been an issue. So, yeah, if they were to... 
And I think the big thing, if they pass as well on some of these guys, Holmes values the personal side of a play. He values the personality, the work ethic, everything like that. You see it this year, guys who are driven, guys who are not afraid to get their hands dirty and just are never happy. They're striving for success. There seems to be that mentality in there that he just seems to be able to pick up on. I think that's going to play a huge part for whoever they draft this year, isn't it? I mean... I think even at a point where if you've got a best player available, they would go past him if they felt the mentality wasn't right. I think that's probably the biggest answer of anything. I don't know if you agree, but for me, the mentality is why people will be passed on. If it's not correct, they won't touch him, no matter how good they are. Yeah, I personal issues, uh, discipline, character issues, they will negate no matter how much talent you've got. I think that's why they've spent so much time because the Lions have done a lot of these top 30 visits now and a lot of the players are players that are like chalk and cheese. Like say some of them are a bit marmite, you love them or you hate them. You question them on and off the field because right? they want to kind of know what these guys make some tick. So you could get the best player in the world physically. But if he doesn't if he doesn't turn up to practice or if he thinks he's better than he is or he doesn't look after his body, or doesn't, they don't like the way he answers questions or how he carries himself, you can probably kiss goodbye to him. You, They won't take him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's overall why I'm quite happy to trust what Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell do, because they seem to find the players with the right mentality and the work ethic and the, the potential skill to back it up, to be taught. You know, last year showed that they, they hit pretty well on that, so I'd be I'd be more than happy with whoever they get. Obviously, we're all going to be disappointed if our favourite player is not there. I say, Richie Grant broke my heart last year. The Falcons did when they didn't take him, but they probably weren't going to take him anyhow. They were still going to take Levi because they saw something in him, which obviously they didn't with Grant. So, yeah, mentality is going to be key when it comes to players. And if your players passed on, someone had a better mentality than they did. Someone had just that little bit of joie de vivre that they value. And I think that's it. And it's not a knock on the player who's not getting drafted. It's just who they feel the guy is at the end there. So, yeah, hopefully that answers your question there, Michael. Um, I think the last in terms of what we had in terms of viewer questions, so Phil on WhatsApp asked us another one. I don't know how easy it is to answer this one, but he says, take us inside the minds of Neil, Hutch, Hamilton and Gardner. You know, where do you want to go and why? So I guess for these specific players, if you're one of these specific players, you know, have you got a preference as to where you want to go at the top of the draft. And I think, for me, the answer I would give is they all want to go to Jacksonville because they all think they're the best player in the draft and they want to be picked as such. I, I, th I think that would be maybe a cop-out answer and not doing individual ones for them all. But, you know, these guys all believe they're the best of the best and they'll all want to go for Jacksonville because they want to be remembered as the number one pick. I don't know if you have anything different there. Uh. I don't know, you can make a case that they all want to go to Jacksonville and none of them want to go to Jacksonville because they all want to prove that they're the best. This is Sauce Gardner. He has come a flat outside out the best. He wants to go to a team where he is the guy. He is cornerback number one. He does not want competition. Even though he could be out, he wants to go somewhere where he starts. He's the main focus. He's the total guy. That's why I think I sent to the Giants because they're still trying to shop James Bradbury, who's a good corner. I think a New York in general, New York is always a very nice destination. Now, when I take into account where a player wants to go, you look at where they've been, where they come from. 
climate. Like I said, New York is glitzy, glamorous. Like I said, you live in Florida. Do you want to come play in Detroit? Probably not, but do you want to come play with Dan Campbell? I think Hutchinson probably would do. Was Does Thibodeau in the question? No, but you can do. I think he wants to go somewhere that uh, he don't want to carry the slack. I think he wants to go somewhere where he can flourish that's got already an established pass rush and someone, a front that can already help him against the run. He wants somewhere there he can flourish but will also make him look good. So he wants to go to a contender, which unfortunately he's not going to be able to do because I don't think he's going to fall far enough. But I think he'd be the most picky of his destination. Yeah. Yeah. Hamilton will go somewhere. Hamilton will go to the team that can scheme him best. Like I say, depending on player, whether they play one or two high, if they play three, like I say, he wants to go to a team where he can play his own position, not where they tell him to play. So if he wants to go to a team, he wants to be that single free safety. That's not that common these days in the NFL to play one high. It's normally two. So he will probably want to go where he schematically fits best. And probably where represents his old Notre Dame defense, which I think he'd fit well and nice in Detroit in a multiple safety scheme. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can absolutely get behind that. I think they probably will. I guess that deep down, all have their own preferential sort of places they want to go and teams they want to go. But obviously, like you say, they're at the top of the draft; they won't be able to. So they'll get, they'll they'll go where they're uh, taken. Uh, Drew agrees. He goes, "You want to go number one? It's not a cop out answer." I, I do agree. I think deep down. The ego always wins out, and they want to be that guy who's. I was a number one draft pick. That's that's what you're born. You've got the competitive streak in there, but I can see that they would absolutely have their uh, own personal uh, personal opinions as well. So that's everything in terms of what we had for the mailbag questions. So I'll move back on to some of the ones I had for us here. So obviously we've talked a lot about guys at the top end of the draft. Um, and uh, in fact, no, quickly, I'm going to go back to round one. So, most probable trade scenarios. Now, I know we didn't really do many. I did some trades in my mock this week. I know no one else did, but I think there are going to be some trades this year, depending on how the boards start to fall. For you, what 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 trades do you most likely see happening in the first round this year? Who who do you think is going to make a splash and move up and try and get someone, or conversely try and try and get out of there? What do you think is most likely? I think the Saints do need to move up. Like I say, they've they've done these dealings with Miami. They've got that sixteen and nineteen. I don't see them going to two. I don't feel like they need to have to. Like I say, if they want a corral, or if they want a uh, a picket. They could potentially sit where they are. They could stay right where they are now and get a quarterback. But I think they probably want to get just into the back end of the top 10. So you could see someone like a, a Dolphins or a Giants trading out with them. I think so. I think the Saints have probably got one of the most causes to jump up as well. Falcons don't have a ton of capital, but they, don't, they kind of need a quarterback now. Like say Mario or Rental next year, you've got to be pretty bad. Well, well, they could be bad enough, but like I said, do they, they feel obliged or desperate enough to try move up a few places? There'll be some teams that, like the Packers, they'll probably want to give up. I think they'll trade out of the first round. I think they might use one of that. Someone wants their first round pick. 
I think they'll be happy to move back into the second or get a first for next year because they'll probably feel pretty good about where they are. There's a few teams I think that could try and move out and entice teams to trade up into the end of the first round. The Lions, I say the Lions. At which end? If you, I think they'll trade back into the first round. I think they'll try and get from 34 back into the first round. Even with, and I think they'll use one there maybe. Uh, yeah, they could. If someone slides, they yeah. could maybe give way 34 to move 32 to. Let's see if Devin Lloyd falls tight 20 to 25. Do you oh, give trade. up 34 to move from 32 up? I think 34 is probably the easiest pick to shift to move up a few picks. I know it's unpopular, but I'd do it. In a then lot. team, yeah. A lot of teams will want 32 for the fifth year contract for the fifth yeah. year option. So I think we'll get a lot of calls about 32. It could be easier to trade than two. See, I said this in my show. I see there been a really big fight between the Chargers and the Saints to move up with the Panthers. The Panthers need draft capital, just one pick in the top hundred. And if they take it on, a, even if they take it on a quarterback, they're not going to be able to protect him. They're not going to be able to give him weapons. They're not going to be able to do anything really for him this year. I can see them trading back. And the the Chargers need a right tackle. They don't have one. Brian Balaga is gone. And when you're in that AFC West this year, you cannot afford to not have tackles this year with the pass rushers that are in that division. Otherwise, you're going to come last. You know, your trenches have got to be on top. And, of course, the Saints need to replace Teron Armstead. And it's not as big an issue for them, but it's still a pretty big issue. And they're working without a franchise QB in there as well at the minute, so they need to protect him as much as they can. So I can see those two fighting to move up with the Panthers. So I think that's the trade I expect most to happen. The other one I had, now I think if the quarterbacks start to slide, I think if Pittsburgh don't have one, and if Carolina don't have one, and only one is gone by the mid-20s, late-20s, I see trade action there as well. The one I did was I had the Giants coming back up with the Titans, because again, the Titans only have two top 100 picks. I think they're going to look to try and shop that pick. And I think the Giants, they'll take a tackle early to protect Daniel Jones, but then they'll take a quarterback later and say, right, you're protected, but your job's on the line now, and you're going to have to work your ass off to retain it. I think they're not going to sit there and let him just have his last year like Donald did last year and see what goes on there. I think they are going to put pressure on him. So I can see the Giants trading back up, but I'm with you. I can also see the Chiefs and the Packers maybe trading one of those two picks getting out of there. I'm not sure we will. I, th I think I think we could, but I think we really need the talent, so I wouldn't want to go back too far. So, yeah, that's where I see the uh, the trades happening um, in regards to that. Um, more people join us in the chat. Shem Dannenberg has joined us in the chat. Welcome to you. He's gone, just tuned in. Has anyone talked about Hamilton at two? I really think that is going to happen. I would, but Det Fanman's in here, and I know he's he's had a lot of trouble with this one recently, and I don't. I said I wouldn't mention it specifically, just out of respect for him today, because we are the house of Hamilton. We really believe in him, but we're not going to impose that on you today. We're trying to keep the number two chat to a minimum, because I know everyone is sick and tired of it at this moment in time, but we would, we would welcome that move. Um... A lot of chat going on here about wide receivers. Um, a lot of chat about wide receivers at 32 and 34. And I feel, you know, everyone is here talking about it. So we kind of have to address this a little in between questions here. I mean, 
you know, we've made no bones about we want lots of defenders this year, especially early. But I know you're more on the train of if we get the two early, we'll go wide receiver there. Do we need a wide receiver at 32 or 34? I think that's the first one. Do we definitely need one or can we wait and still get the value as well? We can wait, but I don't want to wait too far. I feel like there's a cliff where if you wait too long, like say it kind of falls off and you're kind of just getting a gadget guy or a slot guy. I do not want a slot receiver. Like I said, I don't want Calvin Austin the third. I know he's a dynamic player receiver. I don't see him being an X guy. I don't see him being that dominant, big, strong go up and get it guy. That's what I want. So I want the receiver before 66. That's that. That's for me. That that's that's as is that as easy include, as I is am. That before it doesn't have to be at 32. Is that including 66 or literally one of the first three picks? I include 66. So oh, the first yeah. four picks, I'll take a receiver. If a big bodied X, like yeah. I said, I will take him. If they want to take Trail on Burks because he's at 32 and he falls, like I say, and they run up to the podium and do it, will I be upset? Absolutely not. I'll be delighted because the next quarterback we get will probably make the most of him. Yeah, I, I, that again, I, I have Burks on my ones to watch list at the start of this college season. I've been enamoured with him for a long time now. And I would take him there, but I mean, I'd be happy waiting till 66. I, you know, I've made no bones that I love Jalen Tolbert, and I think he's an option that we can have there, in terms of how that goes. Um, who's the other one? There's, there's another guy I've got up there as well who I'd take. So I wouldn't be as fussed if there wasn't one at, in the first three, but I, I would kind of really like one at 66 because I think we can still get the options there. But yeah. again, if you take of... David Bell at 97, fine. If you take Charleston Rambo in the fifth or even the sixth round, I'd be delighted. Because that could be supreme value. He's really big and strong. So this is an intriguing one. Joey is in there, and he's talking about Pickens. Now, Pickens is really intriguing, because I love the aggression that he brings in his game, and the way he tries to outright dominate, and part of me is really intrigued by that in his game, and something we don't necessarily have at this moment in time. I mean, if he's there at 32 or 34, I guess he's probably going to be, would would you be the same as Burks? Would you be quite happy with that, or or would you pass on him? See, I I was toying about putting him at the end of the first, like you say. I think I'd take him at thirty four. I'd go two defenders first. I don't feel confident enough to give use a first round on him. Like yeah. you say, he's recovering from an injury, isn't he? He played the last six, so, six games of last year, I think. So, yeah, so I think he's played and he's over. He had half the year. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you could feel a little more confident that he's going to be playing at the start of next year rather than Williams or Mechie. But not saying you would take him over them, but I think he will play straight away. So he has that going in his favour. Um, so, yeah, Pickens I'm really interested in. But, um, yeah, Drew says if he'd not been hurt, he'd be the middle of round one. That is probably correct. He, he probably would be if he'd not been injured. So, who knows? Maybe he slides. Maybe he's a guy who's there. I mean, 66 might be a huge reach, but if he's there, then, well, Christmas has come early. You take him straight away if you've still not got your receiver. So, yeah. I, ooh, he says he'd take Pickens over Burks. Ooh. Drew, yeah. Drew, uh, 
George Pickens over Drew uh, over Traylon Burks. That's interesting. Not for me because I, I like the uh, I like the explosiveness. I like the uh, I like the true physicality as well. I think there's a bit more durability in Burks. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I think I would just about prefer Burks, but I wouldn't be upset either way. So you know, maybe not fully 100% agree with that, but again, wouldn't be upset if that was something that we we're going to do. So yeah, in, receiver's going to be intriguing as to how how early we go in there. Um, I think Drew says he's off. If you are Drew, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Love love chatting with you on Luke's chat. Hopefully we get to do so again soon. You are an awesome guy. Thank you very much. Um, right, so moving on to some of our other questions. So I've done the trade one. So like I said, we've talked a lot about um, the first rounds of the draft, the second rounds, the third rounds. We'll sort of go towards the other end of the scale now as we go in there. So, you know, we've talked a lot on here, but easy, you know, simple question. Who are your favourite prospects who you're looking at for day three? Something a little different on here, some different names. I mean, round five onwards, who who are you really, really high on that you want to draft there? Because you see the development potential, who we should. I think round five onwards is where you'll see the Lions interested in a tight end. I think that's where we have genuine interest. You've got, well... Where I put him, I think Jelani Woods because he's definitely not a finished product. You've got to, you can't fall in love with the athleticism. I'd say so. Don't take him too high. But Jelani Woods, you got uh, Josh Babich, the NDSU. He's a he's a very solid tight end. I think I say Ash might like it, but I think Jake Ferguson could be there in the fifth round. I'd say he's not had the best off season. I'd say there's things he certainly needs to work on, but there's a large group. Jalen Weidemeyer, I know a lot of people have written the guy off. But he could be an absolute steal if he can suddenly get it all together. He could go really late now because he had that dreadful, like the Raz Scar, the athleticism is just not there whatsoever. He really didn't do himself any favours. So I'm super highly tight end in day three. I think there's some really good options to challenge Brock Wright and help him progress a little bit more. Then obviously there's, there's there's both our love. Obviously Sterling will be in there at round five. Hopefully, if we if we're gonna go if we're gonna go safety, I do like the times options. I think Chagosium's gonna be there as well. Akonku, the Maryland tight end, I would be really interested in him if he's there in day three. But for me, I'm I'm looking at the offensive line day three. I mean, I've put him in my mocks a few times, but you've got Ryan Vandermark, who is the uh, swing tackle from UConn. I absolutely love this guy, um, and you know if we're not going to go offensive line, I don't think we need to. I think we get ourselves a good swing option on day three there. So I'm all into him. Obviously, people know that I'm really big into some of the HBCU guys, as the HBCU guys as well. Keenan Forbes, I'd give a draft pick on him at guard. I think he's absolutely the type of guard we need in there to be able to help us. Um, and then you've got the receiver prospects as well. I guess you can go early, but then you've got guys like Jalen Naylor. I mean, you've got the SMU pair, Robeson and Gray. Um, I mean, they, they'd be interesting picks on day three as well. Would you, would you be willing to spend a day three pick on a receiver as well, even if we go for the big outside guy earlier on? Yeah, like I said, I said Charleston Rambo. Like I said, I think he's a day three kind of guy. Things didn't always go his way in Miami. I think you could probably get him in there. Maybe the early fifth. Like I say, I think he's he's got a lot to like as a product. There's a projection, like say, fifth and sixth. 
got Samaru Torre as well. So there's guys out there. There's a lot of unknown wide receivers, like I said, but there's, a, there's an awful lot of talent there. There's a lot of guys, a lot of big bodies as well. So there's certainly a deep pool there for some day three guys that could offer you a potential star, like I say, even just a dynamic special teamer. I'd be aiming running back as well. I really hope Devonte Price is there. I would really like to spend a day three pick on him if he's available at the right position there. I mean, I mean, what positions would you prioritise? Because I know we some some players, but in terms of we're ranking positions, we need defence a lot this year. We need to be defence heavy earlier on. So who would you prioritise on day three? Would we still be picking defenders then, or be more happy going on the offensive side? I think. I think they're going to probably see how the chips fall at linebacker. I don't think they're going to show their hand too early. So I think you'll get another four, fifth, sixth round kind of guys. So I think linebacker is probably the look maybe to pick one up in the fifth round, maybe one in the sixth as well. I think that's a position that they feel they feel more comfortable than we do right now. So I think they could wait. But like I say, you could get some solid options. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, for me, I'm looking offensive line day three. I'm looking running back day three. And then I'm looking probably secondary depth to be able to develop day three. I think that's where I'd like us us to go in regards to that. Um, a whole range of views on it. I mean, the overall feeling is that it's D very defense very early in this draft. Shem Dannenberg says, I really hope all D till the third round can get behind that. My man Lions Rumble, him and me, we've agreed on a lot of things and he knows defence early in this draft. We need to get as many studs in there as possible. In terms of the day three talk, Joey mentioned some of the guys. We mentioned Jalen Naylor, Kevin Austin, the Notre Dame one, and oh god damn, I said we were gonna I said we were gonna do some work on him and I completely forgot. I will get there eventually to talking about our Notre Dame wide receiver, whoever that is. I apologise about that one. Joey goes on warming up to a tight end on day three. Well, Ryan's just mentioned some guys there. Obviously, Okonkwo should hopefully still be there as well. So, definitely going to be some uh, tight end options on there as well. So, yeah, there's some of the day three options we're looking at there in terms of the Lions. Now, this, this is going to be a very difficult one, but I, I've put it I've put it in there just because I want to see what your answers are straight away. But we've talked about the day three prospects, but... One of the places we had the most success last year was the undrafted free agent list that we accumulated afterwards. You know, they they really did their due diligence in there and were able to get some studs and not even spend a draft pick on them. So, again, out of all the guys you've seen, all the late round guys, maybe ones who've not even been predicted a draft pick on there, who would you like to see on the Lions' undrafted free agent list if they don't get drafted? Uh, a quarterback. I think there's going to be some household names that don't get drafted, like Skylar Thompson, like Akio Glass, like Cole Kelly. I think all of them, one of them will go undrafted. I think we will definitely be bringing a quarterback. Uh, a defensive backs, I'd say... Arizona State fan, but uh, Jack Jones, Chase Lucas, two cornerbacks that could be outside slot guys. I think they could slip towards the end. I'd say experienced, but they're not the biggest or the fastest. I think one of those, I'd bring one of those in as an undrafted free agent. I'd bring in Chase Lucas. Uh, 
Alec Ogletree, the Youngstown State. I think he's pretty interesting. I think he will probably slide towards going undrafted, but I'd certainly bring him. I'd say we had talent with Brock last year. I'd say then uh, probably a lot of offensive linemen. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any running backs that might not get drafted. Right, so just while you're quickly having a thing, I've been neglecting the Twitch chat. I do apologise. Uh, David Reinfurt69 is in there watching with us. He says hello and greetings. Hello to you, sir. Hopefully you're having a great day. Uh, Ash is in there. He, uh, In terms of the day three picks, he says he mentioned Jake Jake F, as he calls him now. He loves him there. He mentions James Mitchell as well, and I completely forgot about James Mitchell, and yeah, I feel bad. Tech. James Mitchell should be on a day three watch list because he's one of the best blocking tight ends in this draft, and he would have not got injured he will be a lot further up the board there. So if he's in day three, the value there is insane. Um, it goes, um, just to annoy Ryan, running back um, Hassan Haskins, wrestling special teamer. And then yeah. he mentions he mentions Keir Thomas as a UDFA. Yeah, whatever, Keir Thomas. Yeah, you can come as a UDFA. So, anyone's, so I agree with you. I'd like to see a quarterback on there. If EJ Perry was able to slide on drafter, which I don't think he will, because I don't think he deserves to be, I'd want him on there. The same with Akil Glass. If he he deserves to be drafted, and if he is not, I absolutely 100% want him on that list. Um, safety. I'm, I love my guy Reed. I love him to death. I think he's one of the best developmental safeties in this draft. But I think he's probably going to fall to undrafted now. If he's there, I will take him first spot on my undrafted list. Reed Blankenship, Middle Tennessee. Guy's going to be a stud. And I'm the only one who knows it at this moment in time, apart from him as well. Because, yeah, he's a damn good player. Anyone else who you'd like to see on your UDFA list? <coughs> or positions you'd like us to really take a slow... I agree with the offensive line stuff. I mean, if four... I think we'll get another... Oh. Sorry, go on. We'll get some more running backs. Like I said, I see Sincere McCormack getting mocked really low down. Like I've seen him mocked in like six and seven. Like I say, what if he if he if he slides undrafted? Ooh, I'd be tempted it's to not out of the realms of possibility. I'd be tempted to spend a pick on him if he was still getting sliding down that far. I mean, I'd I'd be tempted to spend Slade a pick Bolden on him. receiver. Yes, yes, I think he could go undrafted. I'd like to see him on there. Um, back to the day three picks quickly. Um, Luke Godecker's got to be in there, the offensive tackle. I want to see an offensive tackle day three. It's either Godecker or Vandermark. Either one of those. I'm happy as Larry. Um, so, yeah. Why Smoke Monday. I've seen, yeah. I've seen Smoke Monday going as low as the fifth round now. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree there. It might be Super Scion, but he goes at Anthony. Kevin Austin Jr. is going to be a great pick in the late round. You could well be. If you're the one who asked us about it, I really apologise. I wasn't. I forgot to do the work on that completely. But I'll take your word for it. If he's there, I'd be quite happy to give him a go there. Uh, Shem Dannenberg goes, I was hoping for a running back at some point too late rounds. Injuries happen a lot at that position. Yes, they do. That's why I like Devontae Price, because I just think he's got the build and the frame and the ability to really contribute as a day three guy and come in and give us something a little bit different. Um, Super Saiyan goes, I think it would have to be O-line mainly for UDFA. I agree, you need to take as many. We need depth, so it's not like we're looking for starters in our undrafted free agents. We just need to find good depth pieces, so it gives us more chance to find them. Like I say, if Keenan Forbes doesn't get draft, drafted, 
then he's the first priority free agent I'm going after. He's the guard from Florida A&M who I wax lyrical about all the time. 92 knockdowns this year. The guy just is so physical and just the endearing running game mauling guy that you want to guard as some depth. I absolutely love the hell out of this guy there. But yeah, a little bit of everything. But I trust him to get some really good ones. And after last year, so many players we thought we were going to... I mean, who was it? Ardarius Washington who ended up as an undrafted free yeah. agent last year, which was mind-blown. Because oh, we man. thought... We were wondering at the end of the fourth why he'd not been drafted, and he went all the way out of the draft, which was shocking. So, yeah. Because of, of his size. Yeah. So, you know, obviously not be as drastic, but could be in a Kobe Dean situation. Size just really, really, really puts teams off there. So, yeah, that's who we'd like to see in terms of some of our uh, free agents. Um, the other one I put in, and you, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but I... Uh, just for a laugh, because special teams need love as well. I I asked, where does the first special teamer come off the board and who is it? So obviously there's a few knocking round this year. There's punters, there's kickers, some good ones knocking round this year. And obviously, you know, a good kicker or a good punter is really effective in a game. And I don't see why a fifth, a sixth or a seventh is frowned upon for drafting some of these guys compared to the developmental guys who, who wash out. But I mean... I don't know how much work you've done on the special teamers, but, you know, give us a guess. Do you re Well, one, do you reckon any will go? If so, where? And who do you reckon's got the most chance of getting drafted? Yeah. If you... Anyone on Twitter or social media, the most person you see special teams is Matt Ariaza, the punter from San Diego State. Everyone thinks he's going to get drafted. Everyone thinks he's the best. He had a good combine. I'd say he worked out really well, and he's really consistent. He will be one of the first. He will probably go fifth or sixth round. And if you're talking kickers, he will go sixth or seventh round. You've got uh, got Nick Skiba from Wake Forest. You've got the lad from LSU. Cage York. He was my K guy. Cage York. Cage York. Yep, I think he'll go in like the sixth round. Then you've got some... You've got a few kickers this year. Um, I'd say, you've got uh, Burkic, the kicker from Oklahoma, who I was high on at one stage, um, yeah. and then he missed about three kicks in the next two weeks after I said that, and I'm like, oh, kind of put the mockers on him a little bit there. Um, so Super Saiyan goes, the he says the punter from San Diego State arises, as we've already mentioned. He goes, the kid punts 80 yards. That's a pretty damn... If he punts 80 yards, I'd draft him now. I mean, even with Fox here. Long snappers. Uh, I don't see again. I don't think I'm seeing any long snappers get drafted. It's the Colorado guy. Isn't but no, it? I think I can't I th remember why. But there's a. The, yeah. It's the long snappers from Colorado, isn't he? Yeah, you'll get one. I think you'll get one punter, and you'll get multiple kickers drafted on day three. How high? Let's just have a guess. I'm going to go 180 for the first special team drafted. Uh, two. How many picks are in a draft? Is it 228? No, it's about 240. 248 uh, or something. Well, there's one less this year yeah, because it's the Saints forfeited one for cap infringement. I think yeah. it's about 180 or I something think, like that. Uh, after 215, I think you'll see multiple special teams go after 215. Okay. So, all right. We'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on that one as to where they do. So, right. 
that is just about everything I had questions-wise done. It took us a lot of time at the end of the day. So if anyone in chat on Twitch or YouTube has any last questions you want to ask us about the draft, get them in now. We'll get them answered because this is our final one that we are doing before um, before we have our little break before the draft. We'll be back on Monday, then we're having a break because we've got a lot of draft work coming up and everyone has been working their backsides off on all this draft uh, content lately, so everyone deserves a little bit of a break. So yeah, get your questions in now if you can. Um, oh, Ash says the Florida A&M OG sounds like lo what Logan Stenberg was supposed to be like. No, he's more disciplined than Logan Stenberg. Logan is very aggressive in the way he is, but it's out of control aggressive. Um, the um, Keenan Forbes is not. He's a lot more controlled in his aggression, so I'd be a lot happier about that. Uh, he also mentions uh, Dicker, the Texas kicker. Imagine the Twitter content with oh, yeah, Cameron Dicker. Yeah. Cameron Dicker. But he says he might go to Green Bay. I don't want Green Bay to get a uh, to get a good kicker. I want their special teams held to continue for as long as possible. Um, Super Saiyan says the punter he punts left legged and confuses players. They literally look lost sometimes when he kicks them. I'm just the San Diego State one. He must have a special way he kicks that. Uh, that's really able to flummox everyone in terms of that. So, um, yeah, like I say, if you've got any more questions, get them in there. I'm just going to quickly go through some of the housekeeping for the end and then we'll end on any more questions that are still in there. So, like I said, in terms of our main podcast, we are going to be back on Monday. So, we did our first round mock drafts this week. We are doing our seven round Detroit Lions mock drafts on Monday and we will be joined by a special guest so I don't know if many in the states will have heard of him but this guy is very big over here when it comes to the draft he's one of the foremost draft experts over here in the UK his name is Oliver Hodgkinson he works for Pro Football Network and this guy is an encyclopedia of draft knowledge so our mock drafts are going to get scrutinized to absolute high heaven and he'll probably give us a lot of uh, opinions about who we should draft ourselves so do come join us for that one that will be as fun as anything and then like I say as of this week we the college pod will go on a bit of a hiatus until the draft is done because you know we've done this Q&A tonight but there's not really a lot more we can do beforehand so we're going to have a break before the draft and recharge our batteries and then once the draft's done the Wednesday after we will be back breaking down all the draft classes from the teams we'll do that over a few episodes so that will all be good and proper um Shem Dannenberg goes is Nakobe Dean injured I've not heard anything about Nakobe Dean being injured. I don't know if you have. I saw someone else in the chat earlier said something about a pec injury, but I haven't seen anything. No. Unless he's kept it to himself if he's just played or worked through it. Yeah, no, I think the the, the fall stuff's just about his size over anything else. So I don't I don't think there's any concerns. But like I was just saying last year, our Darius Washington, his size worked against him. He went from being around three pick to all the way out of uh, out of the draft so you know just it can do some funny things for people um right that is just about everything i think for this week so thank you ever so much to all of you who's joined us my man lions rumble is in there super cyan shen dannenberg to um everyone else who's joined us a little earlier on debt fan man has been in there drew has been in there as well it's an absolute pleasure having you on here as well and then we've had ash we've had um 
Derek. We've had everyone in Twitch with us as well. So thank you so much for coming on the pod, supporting us. Hopefully, any of the lingering draft questions you had today, some of them have maybe been answered. Is there anything else you want to get for chest dry before we uh, we sign out this evening? Is that Kool Aid, Drew? Is that Drew's own podcast? No, 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 no. I think it's a different one. Definitely a different. I think it's a different one. I never know because I can't see the comments. If not, I've been talking to the wrong guy all night. No, (laughs) no, Drew. Drew is in Lucci's community. Um, He's incredibly knowledgeable about the game. He made me triple triple work on my efforts to bring my opinions across because he's very very good at what he does so um yeah um sorry is there anything yeah, else it's gonna be a great speech to all be great speech to oliver like say if you go over to oliver hodgkinson he is the afro aficionado like say he knows everything about college he's got a thread up right now of all the interviews from pfn they have interviewed some big draft prospects there's about a playlist of like 10 of them on his twitter right now and like i am very jealous like say PFN get to talk to some really big names and like say do their stock a world of good. So go to follow Pro Football Network because I found myself looking at their website and stuff so much for this podcast. Like say they give really good detailed reviews. Like say they grade them um, strengths, weaknesses, they give them a score and everything. It's it's very professional. So like say and it's very UK EU. There's a full team there as well. Like say I think to Simon, they've got a lot of good writers and. Uh, analysts there yeah no I agree they're, they're a great source of information for the draft especially for us over here in the UK so you know absolutely do check them out if you get the chance but you're going to get to see him on the podcast with us on Monday that is going to be really fun we're really going to go hammer and tongs with our seven round mock draft see if we can get them right because we did them last year me Ryan Steve and Matt we didn't successfully draft one player. No. <laughs> we got zero picks from the job lot. None of us even predicted Seoul because we all traded the pick to Denver and then got Micah Parsons, I think, afterwards. So it's not a hard score for us to beat this year. We just need to correctly guess one player we're going to draft and we already win. So it's going to be a great amount of fun. So, yeah, tune in for that. But thank you to everyone who has joined us this evening, as I've said. I'm going to end it. I know I said I wouldn't do this to your debt fan man and talk about Hamilton at two, but it's been mentioned at the end. Super Cyan Lions goes, Hamilton at two. Lions Rumble 81 goes, yes, sir. Absolutely. We fully agree. Don't worry about the positional value with him. The guy is going to be an absolute stud and taking him at two, even though you're paying him good money, he is going to be worth every single penny. So I said I wasn't going to do this, but yeah. Hamilton for two. We are the house that Hamilton built. So, you know, we've been pushing for him since November. Would absolutely love that to happen. Oh, um, 100% true has quickly just joined us. He goes, is it me or do British speakers sound incredibly smart? Well, hope. Well, I'm glad we sound smart. I can guarantee you 100%. We sound a lot smarter than we... Well, I am. I'm not going to speak on Ryan's behalf because that would be cruel. But apparently we get told that a lot. But, you know... I've never been told my accent sounds smart. It oh. must be the words, because it's not what's coming out of it. Because, like, say, we don't sound smart north. No, no. And speaking of last year's, speaking of last year's mocks, I'm glad I didn't get a player right because I predicted Kadarius Tony in the second, and what a disaster he's going to be. But he's not our problem. No, he's not. And you know what? I claim a moral victory over last year because I traded for a seventh round pick and took a running back, and we took Jamar Jefferson. 
So I'm saying that that's a victory for me because I didn't guess a player, but I guessed we were correctly going to trade for a seventh and we were going to spend it on running back. Um, oh, God, we've got a bit more coming in here. Maybe we'll stay on a few more minutes. Um, so Shem Denenberg says, did you see Mel Kuyper mocking Source at two? So Mel Kuyper mocked us Source Gardner at two. He mocked us Lewis Seen at 32 and then a Jarbo at 34. I was disgusted with 34. I'm not spending that pick on a Jarbo. Sign, I don't mind. And, you know, just... I said this, is it... Our college pod... No, when we were doing linebackers and safeties last year, uh, I think it's episode number 60 we did, um, I was talking about the Georgia safeties, and I mentioned Sign by name and said if he had a good year, he was going to be damn good, and I was right, and I was so damn happy with that. I was just like, yeah, it's good to see one of my takes come to fruition for an absolute change. So, you know, I was just... I, was like, I said, Georgia are going to be a great team. I can see them going all the way, and I'm there thinking, I predicted this last year. I'm an absolute genius. I love it. But what did you make of that? Source scene and Ajabo. I'd, I like the first two, but I'd still be underwhelmed. Ajabo. I ain't touching him before round three. I, do, I don't want Ajabo. I'll go on tape. I do not want him. I don't trust him. I think he's total flash in the pan. I do not trust that one year of production at all. No. I think he will uh, He'll get exposed next level. Louis Sain, Sain, I'd love him. I think he's gradually sneaking into the end of that first round. He's the second best safety on the board. I think there's probably more chance we take him than we take Brisker. And Sauce, right, Sauce, I'll go on record here. Yeah, he is the best cornering back in the draft. He's a day one starter. He plays man better than most people. He uses the sideline better than anyone. He would be a star in Detroit. Do I want him at two? Not really. But do I want him if we move back a few spots and would I take him would I be secretly delighted absolutely I'd feel terrible for Jeff because I know I'd say Tom was in Discord earlier he doesn't think it's any reflection on who we've got or what it is no. I feel like I said it's giving up on Jeff but I feel like it really hurts Jeff taking sauce because I'd say or is it does it hurt Armani I'd say it, one of them it has to affect one of them I'd say maybe you keep Jeff and you have two cornerback ones Maybe that's a dream world I'd very much like to live in. Do I think it'd pan out like that? Probably not. That's probably me not being optimistic enough. But if you offered me a Kudra and a Sauce Garden the next year, outside corners, I'd bite the fucking hand off. Like I said, I'd take it like that. So I'll take Gardner. I'd be very happy with seeing a Jabba. Don't want to do them. Yeah, so I... B+. Plus. I could get on with it. If you like replace the Jabba with like Cameron Thomas or Boy Mafe, I'd be a lot happier. Let's just say I could get on board yeah. with that, potentially. So, yeah. Mel Kuyper. I think Maffey 34. Yeah. I can see Alliance taken by Maffey. Yeah, yeah, I agreed. So, you know, you were nearly there. So, thanks very much for that. Super Sans praising the accent. He says it's the accent. You guys sound proper. Appreciate it, Sam. means a hell of a lot. So, you know. And, you know, we appreciate you a hell of a lot for coming on our streams and joining in with us and chatting. So thanks very much. And again, thank you very much to absolutely each and every single one of you. I'm just going to quickly go through our socials, then we are going to call it an evening. So you can find us all over the Internet. Um, so you can find us, obviously, YouTube, Roar of the Lines UK. You're here now. We appreciate that. On Twitch, you can find us at ROTL underscore UK. Again, if you are on Twitch, you know, do uh, sub up to us. We are an affiliate now. That will 
would be amazing if you've got an Amazon Prime account. You do get a free sub for Twitch. So if you know is so inclined and you would like to, please do send it our way. We would be uh, very much appreciative, and it doesn't cost you a penny. We get the money straight from Amazon itself. Um, Facebook, you can find us on our page Roar of the Lions UK or our Facebook group Detroit Lions Fans UK One Pride Worldwide. On Twitter, you can find us at ROTL underscore UK. Please do come find us on there. Um, the the uh, interaction we're getting on there is crazy at this moment in time, and it's only growing, so please do come and join us there. You can find us at Discord. If you want us at Discord, just message us. We'll send you a link for that. And on Instagram, you find us at ROTL underscore UK. And then on the web, you will find us at www roaroftheliongsuk.com the draft content is coming soon I believe our writers are on that Ash, John and maybe me and Ryan will be doing some ourselves if we get the opportunity to so um, yeah check us out on whatever system that you like really so you know thank you very much thank you to you Ryan and to Hank I imagine Hank is asleep now so he got bored yeah he's he left the room um Oh, just to finish off, Super Sign just goes, I think Ryan was a football hooligan in his younger days with those tats on his hands. I mean, do, do Bradford have football hooligans? I, I, I don't think they do, really, do they? Just no, we haven't got, we ain't got much, much worth fighting over. League 2 ain't got many hooligans in it. No, no. Uh, Super Sign, yeah, we, we support teams. So Ryan's football team plays in the fourth tier of English football. Mine plays in the fifth. There's not very much that goes on there. There's a few kids who walk around in Stone Island and Burberry clothing, mouthing off at people. That is as far as it gets, really. You don't get much there, unless you go to Mansfield, which is an absolute hole, and they throw bricks at you. But apart from that, no, we're not football hooligans. We're just regular, ordinary guys who like to go and support their regular, ordinary football clubs that have very little success and bring us more pain and anguish than joy, but we still keep going back. Well, how does that sound familiar? Really, uh, I think that's why we like the lines, isn't it? Um, Sham goes has got a draft day stream. Yes, I did mention it at the top of the show. And I'm sorry, I'm filibustering a lot here because I said we were going 10 minutes ago. We are drafting throughout the draft. So on the Thursday, we have a pre-draft show, which we're going to have on for an hour. We're going to hopefully have a few British, li- British podcasts on with us there. We're going to discuss the draft with them. Then we're live all through the night. Days 1, 2, and through the day with 3, and we have a recap show on each morning. Probably be really early morning for you guys over there, but you'll be able to find us all throughout that weekend. Like I say, go and check some of our stuff from last year. We've got all the interviews we did. We had all sorts on. We had British podcasts. We had journalists. We had uh, Roger Goodgrave, who I had a big argument with. He was an officiating guy, so um, yeah, um check that out we're going to do the same this year if you can drop it you don't have to come and watch us the entire time we're on for 20 hours that weekend but if you do want to drop in at any time and uh, have some interaction with us we would really much appreciate it we'll break down all the picks we'll just chat have a good time and enjoy the draft as we watch the latest injection of talent into the Detroit Lions as we get much better and we get one step closer to kicking the ass of the rest of the NFC North and move into the playoffs so yeah Thank you ever so much, Super Saiyan, Debt Fan Man, Shem Dannenberg, all of you, Ash in Twitch. We really appreciate you. We are really going to go now and we're just going to chill out and we will see you again Monday. So all the best till then. I'm sure I'll see some of you in Luke G's chat and that as well. So take it easy, take care, and until next time, one pride. One pride. Next time you see us both, 
we'll get we'll have the players. Yeah, we will. See you on the other side.